Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I am very excited today because I get to talk to my friend Brett Terpstra. How you doing, Brett? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. It's you know, it's it's been when did I see you? I saw you in October of last year. Has when it been I was that long? It, it's been that well, yeah. It's been that long. It's been it, the the thing is things fly by so fast now. I mean, we're just finishing up renovations here in the house, and it's you know those take long. By the way, if you ever have renovations, <laughs> no matter how, how how long they think they're going to be, it's it's way longer. And uh, but yeah, it, it's been a while. And I mean, I loved. Now you're in, you're outside of the the Minneapolis St. Paul area. You're close enough to get there, but you're not right. you're not like right in there. I loved the time that I had there because St. Paul is just a pretty cool place, and Minneapolis is. I mean, it, it's it, I just really enjoyed that part of the. And it was starting to get cold when I was there. It yeah, but we could, we were still able to, while not comfortably, but we were still able to eat outside, mm-hmm. which would be out of the question right now. Yes, yes, and having uh, having we, I think we had copious amounts of coffee just because it was just just a tad cold enough outside that we had to just keep we had the coffee to keep our hands warm. The whole and we had to wear hats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I wanted to have you on because um, you're you, you're a guy who really is is excellent at doing that front end work to speed up processes on in in terms of technology like so the mac and i mean even uh, as we're recording this today i'm like uh, i read something you did about uh, you're doing like uh, the safari reading list right yeah Mark down i'm like you know how long did it take you to do can you first off add a bit of context because i totally screwed that up and then secondly <laughs> uh like how long did it take for you to build that thing well okay so the the context would be that I was finding that uh, Safari reading list on all of my devices across multiple machines and all my iOS devices, it was really easy to sync up read later items. But I, it wasn't where I was going to read my read later items. I used Pinboard for that primarily. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted a way to be able to save everything using built-in tools to Safari reading list. And then actually have it in pinboard so i wrote the script i uh, based it off of uh uh i forget the guy's name but i, I found a script a python script on github that that could parse the reading list xml file and i think it took me maybe 45 minutes to an hour to build wow and now now it syncs automatically and only it only grabs new articles and it saves it to both a, a markdown note in nvl and to my pinboard read later list See, now, this is the thing that I, I love about this kind of stuff is that it's – you're setting up a process, right? And then all – and it it's, takes care of itself after that. Like how often do you have to tweak these things in order to make sure that they – like they don't – they generally don't break very often, do they, when you set up something like this? Unless the – I guess the root service changes how it does things, right? Or or the operating system changes how right, it does things. Right. Um, it, it's it, – I would say that maybe – uh, barring an OS upgrade, I probably have to revise any of my background scripts maybe once every six months. Right. Now, some of this stuff now, I mean, I do have listeners who are, this, we're talking Mac and, and iOS generally here, uh, especially because that's where you, that's your forte. That's pretty much. Now, can this kind of stuff be done in an Android slash Windows environment or any of those environments? Or is it, a, 
is there reasons why it doesn't happen there nearly as frequently? Because I don't hear about it nearly as much, and maybe it's just because we live in the space that it, we just don't hear about right. it. I, I honestly don't know for sure. Like, everything I do will work on Linux mm-hmm. or any Unix system, which is why Mac is so powerful for this kind of stuff, because you can tap into uh, your basic, you know, age-old Unix tools to accomplish tasks, and then OS X provides its own version of cron uh, with more power than cron ever had, and things like that, that I started using a Mac about, let's see, about 14 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And a lot has happened in the Windows space, and Android has come to be a thing since I switched. So I'm sure there are a lot of tools that I'm just not aware of, and I've never had any major reason to go search them out. Right. Well, I mean, again, if the tools work, you know, why... Why make the shift, right? I mean, when I moved to Mac, I think I moved to Mac about 10 years ago now. I would say at least 10 years, if not more. Um, But I moved for video editing. Like, that was the thing. And and I guess when it comes to switching, because this is something we could probably talk about, is that, you know, when I moved, it was because the tools that were being offered on the Windows side of things weren't nearly as intuitive as they were on the Mac side. Because Final Cut back then was like, whoa, you know, I want to use, you know, iMovie was way better than Windows Movie Maker. The quality of what it was putting out there was much higher. Whereas, you know, why did, like, why did you switch? Actually, that's probably a really great question. Like, why did you move to the Mac in the first place? Mm-mm. I think it was because everything looked better. Everything just, it was just uh, visually honestly, appealing. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I'd grown up, I had been a Linux guy for a long time, and uh, Windows was kind of secondary to me. And then I got a job out of college as a designer and art director. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, they just, they give you Macs. That's what you are asked to use. And it was the first time I'd actually been asked to do any kind of extensive real work on a Mac. And I immediately found that everything I did just felt better, looked better. Uh, the the tools available, like the shareware scene at the time that I left Windows was still thriving. Mm-hmm. But the tools just weren't as powerful. The stuff you could get for free was amazing and it was after I had started buying my own Macs that I found out exactly how powerful the tools for building your own solutions were. But that wasn't a primary reason I switched. It was was just that it was that when everything worked the way you thought it would, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. if you drag this to here, there's in your head, there's an intuitive expected response that windows never had. Right. It's what's weird is that is that a lot of people, which is why they're hesitant to switch, is that we've been trained like on Windows machines, you know, in the corporate <laughs> world to think the way that the Windows machines do. And then when you finally go to a Mac, at least that's how I experienced it back then. It might be a little bit different now, but I don't think largely is that I would I'd be like, wait a minute. This is how it is. This is how I would have done it that's had I not learned the other way. To right? get people to let go of like their their it's not just muscle memory. It's the idea that. There are predefined uh, behaviors. Mm-hmm. And the the biggest thing that I have to convince early switchers of is that if you want to get something done, you know, if you want to perform a task, do it the way your brain thinks maybe it should work. And chances are it's just going to work. Right. And do you think that's – I want to shift gears a little bit to talk maybe a bit about what I my forte is, which is, you know, productivity, is that I have a lot of problems – convincing people to think any way other than linearly when it comes to projects. It's, it's, I can do it. Um, but do you find that when you're 
I think that that's, that's something that I've found a lot is that it's the way people are wired to think. It's like, I have to finish this project before I move on to the next thing. Do you work that way? I mean, you have a lot of things on the go. Do you work that way too? Or do you kind of say, I'm working in this environment now. I'm going to do all the things in this environment and move on to the next one. Or I do you are, not. You're all over the place. <laughs> I am not linear in any fashion. I don't think – I think it's probably a 50-50 split. There are some people that actually their brain really works well in kind of an outline sequential format. Yeah. My brain works in more of a concept slash mind map format mm-hmm. where I'll understand, you know, within a certain task, there are a sequence of things that need to be done to accomplish that task. But the order of the tasks, unless dictated by the actual the project itself, if the project cannot move forward without doing these tasks in this order, I I will ignore that entire idea. And if I have multiple projects going, I'll work on whatever makes the most sense at the time. I cannot force myself, as hard as I've tried, into the idea of making a long list of this is what I'm going to do in this order and then getting it done. I I can do it, but it takes me way longer than if I work on what makes sense at the time. So you work in modes, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I find that I do that a lot. And when I can, when, when I'm talking to people about this stuff, if I can, I, and I think that's what people need to be, need to understand. It's not so much about working by context. Cause I don't think they, context is, I mean, we, we know GTD and we know uh, productivity stuff. We know what that means. But I think when you say mode, people get that a little bit more. Right. You know well, what I mean? Like they're like, I mean, Hey, I'm in work mode. I'm in life mode. I'm in play <laughs> mode or whatever. Right. In a traditional sense, I basically have two contexts. One mm-hmm. is, home and the other is computer yep like i mean if you boil it down i have to have it's it's almost more moods than modes for me (laughs) it's like well i mean that's what you're saying though is is this is i'm in play mode i'm in work mode Mm -hmm. i'm in uh like brainstorming mode like i have tons of those kind of mood slash modes and as long as i work to the strength uh like to the time that my brain is in I can be very productive. Right. Now, now, one thing I would imagine, and I'm, I'm, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you get complete something, when you complete a task or a project, you see, based on, you know, the output that you put out there, you know, in terms of, hey, here, I built this thing, I've done this. Would I be correct in saying you finish a project, you look and go, how could I have done that better? I do exactly that. Like for, and that's why I blog a lot of the, especially the more free time projects that I do. I blog them because it forces me to do kind of a post mortem, and it, a it's a really documentation of anything is a good way to debug it because you are actually explaining to yourself how it should work, and then you can test it as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the act of explaining things makes you realize that you left a big gap in something. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I'm. I'm my life, not intentionally, but has pretty much become dedicated to making life and making processes easier for myself and others. It's what are you using these days to manage those tasks? Because I mean, you've obviously, you I mean, like, if th- those things happen, do you have like a repeating task that says review task and figure out if I could do it faster? Or do you just kind of look at it and go, okay, I'm going to dive back in? make this thing or I'm going to at least capture it. The notion that I want to make this thing later. Like, are you using any kind of tool to kind of sure. like in terms of task management? Cause I know that you 
you used Asana for a bit, and then you used um, I used Asana for work, and it's yeah. excellent for collaboration. Yeah. But since I left my kind of corporate position, I I'm I'm on my own, and I have no need for collaborative tools. Mm-hmm. So I use OmniFocus for kind of overarching projects and for uh, especially like errands and phone calls and emails that I need to make. Mm-hmm. That all goes into OmniFocus. Right. But then projects, like especially coding projects, always exist in a Git repository on my hard drive. And in every one of those repository folders, there is a task paper file. Right. And those task paper files have sections for bugs, ideas, uh, general to-dos, and an inbox, and sometimes additional project categories. But um, then I have command line tools that I just I add and modify things as they get uh, as they come up and as they get completed. And then NVAlt holds an overall kind of uh, idea list for me. Mm-hmm. The but one for blogging, one for coding. And anytime I have an idea, I should write about this, or I should I should take a look at how it would you know how I could do this. And then that project list ultimately becomes a review list as well as I as I archive things that I've completed. Then I'll I don't I don't remove them from the list. I'll go back through and uh, kind of resurface projects as needed. Right, right. Now, now, it sounds like a scattered. No, a no, no, no. But that's but, it but, but it's a workflow, right? Like that's the yeah. thing is I think a lot of people like the most people are looking for and this is what drives me nuts about some of the the productivity solutions out there and i'm going to use that blanket term is that like evernote i like using evernote for a lot of things it's a crappy task manager and oh, yet yeah. some people try to make it work that way and and for some people it can i mean the, some people use Why that would you push it in it's not it was never meant to be that though it, well it, I, of I course think, i think they're shifting was, i think they're shifting that way but yeah i, I agree with you i mean people it was excel but people have obviously done some very cool it, things it, there exactly so. so i think that that I, i'm i don't want to judge that but what i want but what i don't like is here's the thing is that if you're using evernote as a standalone and you can make it work fine but when you start to use wrappers with it, like Zen Dun's a great example, um, you know, if Evernote changes, the the house of cards falls down. Um, right. There's other services out there that are that are widely used, like IQTel, or um, I'm going to use that one as an example, where you get your email and everything comes into this one funnel and everything's there. But if something breaks, like if everything's there, it, it's like you know when you go to a buffet and you're trying to decide what to eat. And there's so much there that you're like, I don't know what to eat. Like, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to begin. I can imagine what that would be like. (laughs) But I like having separate tools. Like you say, like all those things you mentioned. I mean, you know, NVL has its has its you know use case. Uh, Everything has those different use cases and strengths. So then you're building like this productivity path or this workflow that allows you to say, okay, I'm going to be able to get the right things done at the right time at the right speed because I know where to look for these things as opposed to trying to, you know, dig through and say, okay, where this is where this belongs. It's how, I mean, for people who don't have to work that way, cool. But I find that in this era where we're having so much crap come at us all the time along with the good stuff you want to have a place where the good stuff can sit so it stays you know relevant and important and doesn't become something that you know passes through or passes by and here's the thing task paper and nvl work with plain text which has existed since computers have existed and will exist as long as computers exist Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i can i can easily swap the system over to any 
editor, any uh, any manager, whatever I want, because it's just plain text. And in fact, I edit my task paper files in three different apps. Mm-hmm. And if any one of them disappeared, I, I, I would be no worse for the wear. And just like releasing, like I, I hesitate to release any major software, especially software I'm getting paid for, that's based on an API because it's instantly fragile and you are at the whim of that API. If it changes or gets deprecated, your your app is is in trouble. And the same with dedicating a, a project management solution to to a fragile ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. Would just it would worry me so constantly. Well, the approach uh, I've always said the approach is more important than the app. That's why people like will flock to like things like GTD or Scrum or Trello or not Trello, um, Agile or whatever because those are systems you can take the the systematic approach and throw it into whatever task app you decide you want to use. And as long as you adhere to the system, then if that task app goes belly up or something breaks, you can at least go, okay, well, that's fine. I'll move to the next one because the systems it's something I trust. It's something I built. It's something right. I can use as opposed to, uh-oh, what do you mean? It's gone. Now what do I do? Like, you know, um, one of the things I like about Todoist, which is the one I use, is that actually when you export it, you know how a lot of them export as JSON files or whatever? Todoist exports your tasks as as a text file. Nice. So it's it's it, and actually it can import. It's funny it, when I moved from OmniFocus to Todoist, I tried to do an import. It was it, it didn't parse very well. I wonder if it would. I bet you if I was moving from Task Paper to Todoist or vice versa, it would probably be a lot smoother because probably. of the nature of it, right? I mean, sure there'll be some idiosyncrasies. See, and I don't mind XML and JSON exports. Mm-hmm. They're not as human readable, but they are structured data that can include any extra meta uh, that you can then with a little bit of knowledge parse into another system, but plain text. It's so nice to have the export that you can just open up in a text editor and and, read and recover. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you are, you know, I mean, and actually this, so task paper, they're not doing their iOS app anymore, right? Is it still? No, but there are replacements coming up. Uh, What uh, task mater Mm -hmm. is a really good app that's coming up and being developed very quickly. Right, and I mean they did folding text to text too, right? Like that's the other right. one. Right, and it gets—I don't know—I have it mixed gets feelings. Unwe- it gets unwieldy. It it does, and Task Paper Three has like the beta has stopped. It it, it expired, and he hasn't put out a new one. Mm-hmm. So I'm still happily using Task Paper Two, mm-hmm. and neither Three or folding text have really served my needs in that very simple to do list kind of way. Right. Powerful query syntax and everything, but that's not necessarily a prerequisite for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it got, it got a little bit bloated. Right, right. The, do you think that, like, I've noticed that across, like, I mean, look what's just, I mean, I'll use Evernote as an example. Um, work chat, all the stuff that they're trying to do. It's like, you know, do the one, I mean, Eddie Smith, you know, Jay Eddie Smith, obviously. Yeah. Yep. Like, his one thing well thing, I love that because it's, I would love, I love apps that do one thing really, really well. I love them. Um, whereas, you know, other ones just, they don't, when you try to put too much in, yeah, bloat occurs and things can break, right? Right. And I don't, I don't mind really handy features. And I, and I, that's the thing that I love about Jesse who made task paper is he's kind of a mad scientist, which I totally relate to. And Mm -hmm. throwing in hidden features that are unobtrusive and don't complicate the primary goal of the application, I'm all for. I love it. But if I can't just pick it up as a regular user 
and figure it out and make it work, then it's bloated. Then there are, you know, you're basically, you've diluted your mission statement to a point where people aren't even sure what the app's for anymore. Yeah. Now, are you, I mean, I, I think I know the answer to this one as well. Are you more of a, a like, are you more task oriented? Like in terms of like, hey, I'm going to work on this thing. Or do you like, hey, I have this amount of time. <laughs> you know, are you time or task? I think you're task, right? Would that be I, fair to I, say? Yeah, I guess I am because time, especially now that I'm independent. Yeah. Is I'm not even sure I'm aware of time anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things where, uh, I, especially uh, you know we're we're you know middle of February now, coming into the part well, as at least as, as when this is airing. But as we're recording this, you know, it's the start of the year. People are like time, time, time. Uh, this is the perfect time of year where I think if you start to focus on that important stuff and and let the urgent stuff obviously is 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 critical to do. But if you could start to develop some kind of workflow where the important stuff doesn't hide on you. I think that that's key. And and what you do is by building those processes up front is that you help people so that they can get through the the, the you know the 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 stuff that they could hack. Right. And get Anything really automatable stuff. shouldn't be on your to-do list. No. No, exactly. What's what are what are your favorite ones that you've developed that you're I mean you've got a lot out there. Now, and maybe not even the ones you developed. What are the ones that you've seen out there that you that that people should be using uh that you're like, "Man, I wish I was the one that built that." Or <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, anything you can do with IFTTT. Yeah. Is there are so many possibilities for just automating everything from notifications to like actual kind of Yahoo pipes kind of integrations, mm -hmm. things that, you know, like integrating Asana tasks with any other kind of system or notification feature, things like that. You shouldn't have to be checking in daily to do things like that. And Ift is awesome for that. And then like locally I run, I don't know if if you or your listeners are familiar with Launch D, that yeah. is that's OS X's kind of souped up version of Cron, and my list of Launch D uh, launch agents is extensive. Like I, I half the time I don't even remember what all's running, and that is it's something I do have to review every few months. But mm -hmm. but it, yeah, just like things that I don't even have to think about anymore. I forget that they're even. On my list. Well, and you've even got Slogger out there too, right? For right. day one. Which, which, you know what? I mean, I love Slogger. I really, I mean, and you could probably say, well, this is how you do it, Mike. I would love it if there was less, like, it, you know, because like, it takes your, what? It takes your tweets, takes everything. Like, it takes a lot of stuff that you've done throughout the day. Right. Um, which can get, considering, you know, the kind of how often I tweet and stuff, it can get pretty bloated. Um, or the Instapaper, that's the worst for me at least. Is that I look at my Instapaper? Yeah, I haven't looked at any of those. There's like twelve <laughs> things I put in Instapaper. Well, so that's, I need oh, to man. figure out how to make Slogger so that it doesn't make me feel guilty. <laughs> I have so many responses to so many areas of that, but I, I want to start by saying Instapaper and uh, Pocket and Read It Later. All of those always made me feel guilty. Yeah. Because I never got around them. And that's why I switched to only using Pinboard and why I made reading list integrate into Pinboard. Yeah. Because Pinboard serves as an archive for me. And I don't feel guilty if I haven't read the thing that I bookmarked a month ago. Mm. But it saves the full text version for me, so I can read it. Um, but, yeah, Slogger, like Slogger was important to me because I didn't want to have to think about consolidating all of my interactions and and 
projects and tasks. And it was easier for me to say something or, or work on something wherever it made sense. Mm-hmm. And then have something like Slogger in the background that just kind of pulled it all together for me at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for me, I think it was one of those things where, mind you, my usage of day one's changed too. I tend to, you know, I mean, I don't necessarily need to have everything chronicled. Um, but for those who do, uh, I'll put a link to it. In the, and it's, in, it's Slogger 2 now, right? Isn't it? It's at the second iteration. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, when was the last time you updated it? It was a few, it was a lot. Well, it's had patches submitted by community members pretty Mm -hmm. regularly, but I haven't updated the core for quite some time. Mm. Haven't needed to. Uh, It was updated for Yosemite release, but, Mm -hmm. but uh, I built, do you ever see my tool doing? Yes. Yes. That, like that I use in combination with day one. I don't use day one as a manual work log. Mm -hmm. All of my all of my git uh, commits and all of my activity and all of my social stuff gets pulled into day one. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to write in day one, it's going to be more personal journal. Yeah. And work stuff, doing – I built doing for the specific purpose of actually keeping track, especially late at night, of what I was working on. Not as a time tracking app, not as a to-do list, just as a way for me to look back two hours and say, oh, yeah, that's what – that's what I was working on. Well, yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, it's funny. One of the things I talk to people about is like, you know, how do you, you know, get rid of when you're distracted or you get disrupted? Like, how do you remember what you were working on? Like, doing's perfect for that. Or you know, if you're late at night and you get pulled away, or or so, I mean, and, and I know you have a lot of irons in the fire to be able to be able to be able to look back at that and then say, oh yeah, I need to get back to this is not necessarily the smartest thing. The smartest thing is that you knew you needed to do that. You yeah. needed to build it. So that's why it's there. But uh, like, it's the, uh, the idea of, uh, my focus changes and, and doing that task for the mode I'm in, the mode can change before the task is done mm-hmm. and doing made it easy for me to say, okay, quick note, here's what I was doing. Or here's what I'm starting to work on, and then when a phone call comes in or I need to go take care of something, I can just type doing note and then in you know a sentence or two explain why I was stuck, where I was at, what I was about to do next, whatever I need to to come back to it, mm-hmm. hit, hit enter, and that's recorded. And then I'm free. Like my mind is free to switch modes if it needs to. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean for some people – uh, that's where they can just go back to their task app if that's what they're going to use, what have you. I mean, you, let's let. I mean, we need to be very clear with everybody that's listening. Cause, is that Brett Terpstra is an edge case? <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly. <laughs> but but the thing is, is that again, it's more about the awareness factor of knowing that, right? And that's what a lot of people don't. They just get stuck in this mode of doing, like no pun intended, doing, 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 doing. But they don't. They just they don't sit back and kind of go, okay, well, how can I do this stuff better? Or more effectively. Like, how can I... Yeah, they got to assess. And a lot of people, they just process instead of assess. And you have to do a healthy combination of both. How... Do you ever use Pomodoro? Because, I mean, obviously, if you're... You know, you want to make sure that you... Because I know, you, you, like you said, your focus can get shifted. And if you're in a mode and the mode ends before the task does, do you kind of – have you ever used the Pomodoro technique to kind of yes, say – Yes, I have. And, and it, has, it, it, has it worked or no? It has worked wonderfully. And I set up like a, a Pomodoro, Pomodoro timer in folding text mm. and would actually use it uh, to really drive through to-do lists. And then it turned out that 
I'm a horrible person who would rather just work on whatever I want to whenever I want to. And I kind of I lost track of the system. Mm. And I will say I'm probably worse off for it because while I was using it, I was amazed at the productivity enhancement. Right. And the thing is, is a lot of people, well, that means you're time, that, that, that you should be a time-oriented person. Not really, because <laughs> it's not – when I say time-oriented, I, I more think like from 9 to 11, I'm going to work on this. Oh, and, and that's from, impossible, I, at least I for me. I can't do that because the flexibility factor goes out the window. I mean right. I'm like you. I mean I can't – you know, I mean writing, like uh, – Lately, uh, as we're recording this, I'm seeing a lot of the Miracle Morning stuff by Hal Elrod, who I I like Hal a lot. We've been we've been interviewed before. Have you heard of the Miracle Morning stuff? You probably have seen it. I um, may have, but it, I'm not it, sure. It's all about you know like getting up early, and and Hal gets up at, at like three in the morning, which is normally when you and I are probably going to bed. But uh, like I'm a night owl, and I can't. I have not. I've tried to rewire my body clock several times, but I've. Even even yesterday, as as you know, I was doing planning and admin stuff during the early part of the day. I need to get into that mode of creative stuff, and my body and brain just are wired to do that later in the day. Like and I, writing is a perfect example of yeah. mode. Yep. Yeah. Because it, you can't you can't if if you say I'm going to write from nine to eleven, and then you sit down and you're you're more in the mood to fill out a spreadsheet than to put words together. You're gonna you're gonna suck at it from nine to eleven. Yeah, and and we we know that there's the well, you have to you know spend the time and and Stephen Pressfield said you know you can't the muse you have to you know coerce her into coming out you can't just wait for it to happen. That's fine, but again the awareness of okay I know that I'm at my writing my my body is attuned to writing and creative work in the afternoon. So yes, I'll sit down. I know I have to write. I'll go into writing mode and. My brain is now ready for that. But if you try to force that, like at 7 a.m., I can't do a, a 7 a.m., you know, wake up at 7 a.m. and write. But I know that after everyone's in bed, that I'm like, oh, no one's going to interrupt me anymore. And my brain goes, oh, it's time to write. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no well, – And that is, that is why I often get up at 4 in the morning is because that is the time when I know nobody's yeah. going to mess with well, me. Well, you're the morning guy. You're not, a, you're, not a, you're not a night owl guy, right? You're more of a morning I, person. Yeah. Te- historically, I've been more of a morning guy, although mm-hmm. something is just naturally shifting for mm-hmm. me, but that's irrelevant. Right. See, for me, it, it's, it's always been – and again, uh, someone asked like why. I'm like comedy. Like when I was doing comedy – in improv, I mean, you don't do you don't do shows in the morning because they don't right. serve beer in bars in the morning to like improv sketch, right? So, I mean, that would be when my I was at my creative best is you know in the evening I wake up like my body and that it's just that's the way it was and I would imagine if I didn't do comedy maybe that'd be a change or if I spent an inordinate amount of time trying to rewire myself that'd be fine but let, I mean this is an example where I can say I don't I do probably have time to do that. I'm just choosing to use my time differently. And I think that part, that's that's the key, right? I think so. I think the hardest part for me was um, it, letting go of the idea that I'm entirely undisciplined and a bad person for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. accepting that I have certain ways in which I work better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously I have to have some discipline or I would just spend all day working on random coding projects that don't make me any money and I would slowly die. Yeah. But – but I'm not – I don't know. I always envied these people that could do this, very regimented. This is what I'm doing now and then and then and then and they have it all calendared out. But I realized that it doesn't It doesn't make me a lesser person to work in a different way and that was hard for me. Well, we'll, we'll wrap up on that note because I'm sure you're not alone in that, <laughs> in that feeling. 
Um, I know this is an especially nerdy episode of the of the podcast, but we were, we were overdue. I mean, we hadn't had one on since Spar- David was here. So <laughs> David Sparks. So <laughs> it's it's been a while. Brett, where can people find you uh, on the internet when you are not, uh, you know, um, basically uh, follow not following the muse or whatever it is? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm at uh, brettterpstra.com, which has three T's in the middle of it. Don't let it throw you. And then I'm TT Scoff, literally on every single social service. And uh, and then if you head over to esn.fm, you can find my shows Overtired and Systematic. And I highly recommend you uh, you give those a, a listen. All right. Thanks a lot, Brett, for being on the show this week. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next week.